This is episode number 252 of the Live Life Aggressively show. This week, we're sifting through all of the information, whether it's good, bad, misinformed, or being withheld altogether regarding the coronavirus. However, we made sure that we brought in an actual expert who can really brief us and give us information that we can use to further understand this virus. This week, fan favorite Dr. Mark Gordon stops by and shares what you can do to strengthen your immune system to help fight against the virus, as well as if you do catch the virus, what you can do to actually get through it on the other side. Dr. Gordon also addresses a topic that's not getting much traction in the news media, and that's the connection between your immune system hormone health, and how connecting the two can better help you have a fighting chance against viruses such as corona. All this and more on this week's Live Life Aggressively show, and that starts right now. Let's go. How are you, Sincere? I'm doing well, man. How about you? Hey, alive and well another day so we can, uh, you know, play. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, where, where are you at right now? Are you in your office? You're in your office or are you at home? Uh, no, I'm at work. I mean, what's there to be afraid of? <laughs> right. You know? Well, where, where, you're in, you're in California, though, aren't you? Where are you? Yeah, California. California, you know, California, New York, New York just had five times more cases pop up overnight. Yeah, which is not hard to believe. We know all those people living on top of each other and you know, yeah. everybody's pretty much doing public transit. And Yeah, that's right. And in, in Nebraska, it's you, know, you go from population density to population. Of course, the more dense it is, the, uh, the more the spread. My uh, nephew, who lives in New York City, you know, bailed last week and came to California to hide in the mountains. <laughs> so, that's yeah. basically it. Yeah, so, I think we're at like 24, 24 deaths here in Houston, but I forgot the exact number now as far as, you know, um, who all have it. And But they they have drive-through testing sites now, which they implemented that starting over the weekend, this past weekend. So, yeah. And now they, now they have a citywide, you know, shutdown going on now. It's only essential places. So pretty, pretty much doing what's going on in California now. So yeah. and pretty much all the other large cities in Texas are doing it. But again, large population, what do you expect? <clears throat> Whereas yeah, my, yeah, mom's in, yeah. my mom's in small town, Texas, and I don't even, I don't even where, know if they have Texas? a few cases. She's in northeast Texas. So she's in Henderson, which is about two hours outside of Dallas. You okay. know, basically in east Texas in the woods almost. So I don't even know if they even have maybe one or two cases. You know, yeah. there. And they're and, old. And they're old because everybody in the town is old. Yeah. So you expect that. I mean, she lives in a retirement community, but, you know, they're all good. <laughs> you know, they just don't have any visitors, which is good. You know, keep them out. They're like, Corona? <laughs> I don't drink, baby. I don't drink yeah, beer. Right. <laughs> I don't like beer. <laughs> no Corona. No Corona. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, this whole thing is, uh, you know, it's, it's just crazy. It's just going crazy. Uh, when you look at the statistics of, how many people? Um, how many people uh, have died from it compared to what happened between 2019 and 20, which is 37,400 people died from influenza? Right. They didn't go around testing people to say, okay, who's been exposed to influenza but hasn't gotten the illness? Because over time we develop, you know, resistance to these viruses. So right. you know, the influenza A is the one we get the immunization. We get two immunizations. Uh, the three components, they're tri, 
uh, what they call it, trivalent is what they call it. There are three uh, three protections, two A's and one B. And, you know, most years they get the B wrong because it's based upon the CDC doing testing throughout the year to see what the most statistically prevalent form of B is and what the most uh, significantly prevalent two forms of A are. And that's how they make the vaccine for uh, influenza shots or the flu vaccine. And a lot of times the flu vaccine doesn't work, you know. Right. Because yeah, my understanding of the flu vaccine is that it may protect you from some of the weaker flu strains, but that there's different flu strains constantly evolving, and it doesn't Correct. offer protection from that. Yeah. yeah. They're saying that the, um, you know, this COVID-19, uh, which they're calling novel, Novel, uh, coronavirus yeah. novel because we haven't theoretically seen it before. If you look at the literature, looking at it for the past six weeks relative to the, the paper that I circulated um, this past weekend, mm-hmm. that uh, China has been doing a lot of studies on how to uh, protect the individual from the infection, as well as the uh, World Health Organization stated that they've had little spikes in the um coronavirus infections around Wuhan, Wuhan, and that made them alerted that, uh, you know, uh, laboratory accidents, as well as is it possible that it's through animal-to-human transmission, right. and this is according to the, the WHO in the paper I circulated, the first, um, the first uh, reference is at the WHO website, which talks about, you know, their perception of this repeated uh, contamination since 2003. But since 2003, they've been doing a lot of research on um, how to decrease the infectious nature of not only coronavirus, but all viruses. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, the neat thing that uh, we're, we're seeing is based upon zinc. You know, we've known for a long time zinc helps to um, decrease viral uh, replication and it's it's really understanding the um, mechanism by which viruses contaminate our cells. You know, they inject their genomic viral genome into our cells, and the mechanism in our cell for protein synthesis is called ribosomes. It's like the manufacturing site. It's a site that when you, sincere, are working out, and your body throws growth hormone and says, okay, go to the ribosomes and increase myosin and protein synthesis so this guy can grow more muscle because he's working out virus gets in and throws its genetic code over to the ribosome which codes out the first protein which is called replicase and this replicase takes over our cells and says okay now you're going to make viral genome now you're going to make the capsule of the virus and you're going to make all the proteins associated with the virus's ability to infect you so What they found in what was known and what we're seeing over time is that zinc interrupts this protein called replicase. So it can't control the cell's ability to replicate uh, the virus. So in studies that were done in China, also in uh, Canada with, um, what's his name? Uh, His name is Dieter Raoult. Say again? The French, are you talking about the French press professor? Yeah, the French Canadian. Canadian. Yeah, the oh, okay. Canadian. He's up at McGill University. Uh, what's his name? His name is uh, Chrétien. Chrétien. Yeah, Chrétien, a good Frenchman. And, um, you know, since 2003, he's been working on quercetin right. and 
the coronavirus. Now, quercetin, um, hydrochloroquine, we're hearing about chloroquine, chloroquine, the anti-malarial drugs. Right. Yeah. We're hearing about um, quercetin, EGCG, which is the active extract from green tea, yep. that these are called inophores. And what an inophore is, ion, ion, inophore, ion transporter. So what it does is it transports from the outside of the cell through the bilipid membrane of the cell, the uh, zinc into the cell. Normally, zinc can't cross the membrane because it has an electric charge. And that electric charge enables it, makes it so it can't get through the membrane. So you need a carrier. So we're finding that quercetin, EGCG, bismuth, and this malaria group drugs, which came out of France, studies out of France, <clears throat> and what right. showed was that if you put people on chloroquine, that their shedding of virus decreases, but they never talk about what it does. And that's what, you know, my clarification point in the paper is these inophoric carriers or transporters, they're transporting uh, zinc into the cell. So on that paper that I circulated, which will be posted, which one is it going up on? I think it's going up on uh, tbihelpnow.org. And in the paper, you know, there's Khratien um, and uh, the Inafor studies and the hepatitis studies, basic virology 101, where he walks you through how the virus infects the cell, how zinc comes into play, and then he starts bringing in things like um, like the hydrochloroquine, the anti-malaria medication, and he talks about what its real purpose is, what its real use. So people uh, will misconstrue the information that's going on out there or that's being disseminated right. that it, it's mm -hmm. responsible for it, but it's not. It's the zinc. And that's why... Well, why, isn't zinc, why isn't zinc given with chloroquine, if that's the case? Wouldn't it make sense to do a chloroquine, azithromycin, zinc stack? No, I, th I think the reason might be that um, the majority of us have good levels of zinc. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And majority of us have <laughs> zinc. If you look where zinc comes from, you know, from uh, seafood, from vegetables, from plants and all this stuff, uh, that we have a good amount. And for the last 20 years, we've been doing zinc uh, assessment, intracellular zinc, for yeah. a totally different reason. And you and I have talked about in the past how zinc is a natural aromatase inhibitor, uh, decreasing the conversion of, uh, of, of testosterone to estradiol by inhibiting the aromatase enzyme, which is technically called um, estradiol synthetase. And if you can downregulate that, you keep more free testosterone when you're using excessive amounts. Right. And it does convert as rapidly to... Um, to estradiol. Also, zinc's involved in, you know, antiviral, anti-cancer, anti-Alzheimer's, anti-dementia, helps the pancreas produce insulin and helps the testicles and ovaries produce their hormones, testosterone, estrogen, and so forth. So it's involved in about 300 processes throughout the brain, uh, throughout the body. In the brain, zinc uh, connects to what they call superoxide desmutase or zinc superoxide desmutase that helps reduce inflammation in the brain. So for all these reasons and understanding that, you know, I do all this work in uh, traumatic brain injury and right. all the inflammatory processes, neuroinflammation that happen, zinc's an incredible add-on, which is so inexpensive. And then you, you get the benefit of um, the antiviral. But six weeks ago, I was introduced to 
this thing of inophoric transport. And that mm-hmm. answered why we're getting, you know, our patient population doesn't get sick. And we have a, um, a thing called a monthly program questionnaire. This monthly program questionnaire, number um, 13 and 14, asked the number of colds or illnesses I experience a year have decreased. Colds, flu symptoms are less intense and less um, last less time. And we started uh, adding this six, seven years ago because people were saying, look, I'm exposed to all these people around me with the influenza. I'm not getting it. I had a guy come in uh, the office just recently who said, you know, his three kids and his wife were spewing up snappers and everything. And he's feeling great. He's been on protocol. You know, he's been on protocol and uh, protocol with our person. But it makes sense. Yeah, this protocol you have of quercetin, the epigallocatechin-gallate, ECG for short, and zinc. Would it make sense that that's just a protocol you take all year round as a preventative measure for cold, viruses, blues? Yeah, our patients do take it all year round. And I started using quercetin. Um, boy, in the uh, late 90s, uh, in a product that I that we developed, which is called um, MyoBoost, which helps mitochondrial functioning. And what quercetin does, within a week's time, it increases the production of mitochondria. So in the NF guy, NFL guys that I was working with back then, until about 2007, that we would use only legal things, uh, quercetin, uh, PQQ, CoQ10, um, magnesium, creatine, creatine citrate, and pyruvate to upregulate mitochondrial functioning. So if you can increase the amount of mitochondria, what happens is you can produce more energy, so you have better endurance and better recovery. So that's why I've been using it in our patient population. Uh, in Then in 2000 and, um, 2004, when I started doing traumatic brain injury, then 2009 with the military and traumatic brain injury, uh, increasing mitochondrial functioning helped them in their brain to get better clarity. And then PQQ, which is, you know, the CoQ10 sister, which is 100 to 1,000 times stronger, when you mix them together, they get incredible uh, improvement in their cognitive uh, state. You know, they're not as um, obtunded or foggy. And, right. you know, so that's, that's some of the, the really uh, great benefits that happen. So well, I'll tell you something interesting. When after I read your your piece, uh, I went on Amazon to buy some quercetin and zinc. And guess right. what? It's completely sold out there. It's completely <laughs> sold out on Vitacost. It's completely sold out on Iron. <laughs> so someone else got the memo. People are buying it. I've been buying it and stashing it for six weeks. <laughs> right. I, I managed to get some. But it, it, it took a little bit of effort, but while normally quercetin is easy to get. So so this information is, is getting out there, or people are just hoarding everything they can think of. Like, well, exactly. that's just that's Well, just no, price. we have uh, limited supply. It's, uh, you know, going to our active patients first. But um, our one of our new products, which is called um, Brain Care 2, did I send you some? I believe you did a while back. Okay, no, clear mind and energy. The one with the with the gray label yeah, that yeah. yeah. I'll send you our new stuff, Brain Care Two and B is for Brain. Uh we have a military base since May that has been um uh, I won't say testing it out, they've been using it and getting really good responses. But uh I'll send you um each of you some of the Brain Care Two. Brain Care Two has in it 
quercetin, but nanoliposomal, so it gets absorbed. You know, all the stuff I do is liposomal. So uh, all you need to do is, if you had it, add zinc. But I'm going to bet you, if you were to do a blood test, um, that your levels of zinc would probably be 95 and above because right. you guys work right. out, you eat well, and you take in good vegetables and, you know, produce. And that's where a lot of the zinc is. I mean, go online and, you know, I'll pull it up and I'll tell you exactly where. Yeah, hemp the seeds, hemp to- seeds are super high. Hemp seeds, pumpkin seeds are both very high in zinc. Hey, and I take exactly. both daily. Yeah, yeah zinc, uh, zinc in foods. Yeah, legumes, nuts. You know, shellfish, meat, you know, meat uh, is an excellent source of zinc, shellfish, legumes, uh, and I eat, you know, lots of uh, nuts and uh, seeds because of my daughter, Allison, and her... All the legumes are are sold out now at the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's one of those staples, you know, when in in time of crisis, you know, beans and rice is what everybody goes to. What's your your theory on people hoarding all the toilet paper? (laughs) (laughs) How's that going to help them? How's that going to help, Doc? I I know you got an inside track. I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen like, you know, that that TV show where these people have these bad habits, you know, these crazy habits. I remember the episode of The Girl that ate toilet paper. She may have been on to something, man. I think she was on to something. (laughs) Well, we should check and see if there's any quercetin or zinc in toilet paper. (laughs) I mean, paper comes from trees. You know, paper comes from trees. Trees, you know, they're growing in the ground. You know, there's probably some zinc there. So, yeah, you never know. I don't know. It was in the Washington Post. They, uh, they had a little story about a guy who was arrested for stealing 66 rolls of toilet paper from some hill, some hotel. Well, yeah, some guy just got arrested two days ago for doing the same thing. He was into a business and was stealing the toilet paper, and I think he got about 60 rolls, and they caught him. I'm like, dude, what story are you going to tell when you go to jail? You're going to be in there with killers and rapists, and it's like, hey, man, what are you in there for? I stole toilet paper. Yeah, oh, I, I like that. You guys are going to ask you know, why you got it paper. <laughs> TP gangster, man. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> yeah. Drug, drug dealers are going to be selling chloroquine and azithromycin now. That's going to be their Yeah, their <laughs> yeah that's, a new, that's a new fentanyl right there, man. Yeah, I don't understand why uh, why Z-Pak, azithromycin, yeah. because, you know, I went looking to see, once they started talking about it, I went to see, you know, if it had secondary benefits like this inotropic uh, effect, and right. it might not be anything like that. It might be that they're only giving it to people, if you read the literature, they're only giving it to people who already have the COVID-19 infection, active infection. So what happens with viral infections is that it screws up the immune system so you can't defend yourself from the bacteria that are in our environment. And one thing unique about uh, the erythromycin family, which zithromycin is part of, is that it addresses um, atypical pneumonias Mycoplasma pneumonia, uh, Legionella pneumophilia. These are um, types of pneumonia that young people don't get, but old folk like me get. You know, <clears throat> they they're giving the chloroquine concurrent to the um, to their infection with an antibiotic might be more protective against the uh, secondary infections that are opened up to occur when you screw up the immune system, which is what viruses do. They yeah. really wreak havoc on the system. So things that help our immune system are like testosterone. Testosterone Mm -hmm. has an incredible amount of literature talking about how it upregulates 
what we call the uh, CD4 and CD8 cells, which are part of our immune system. Um, DHEAS, if you go and look online at DHEA and immune system, but in some of the new protocols that are coming out, they're talking about vitamin D. Vitamin D, I mean, if you go to, you know, Google Scholar and put in uh, a query, um, like how many articles, here's a question for you. How many articles do you think have been published on um, vitamin D as a cancer prevention? And I'm talking about peer-reviewed medical literature. Probably a hundred. It's a great yeah. number. You want to try 150? Yeah, because yeah, I've read a few of those. So I figured okay. that's coming up. Vitamin D and cancer prevention, there are 1.63 million articles. Wow. Okay. Yeah. How about vitamin D and stimulation of the immune system? Improving the immune system. There are 1.71 million articles. Wow. If you want to look at specifically vitamin D in the COVID, uh, COVID infection, COVID-19, there are 1,370 articles, and the oldest one is back in 1988, talking about uh, how it helps with um, protecting. And what vitamin D does is it stabilizes the immune system. If you look at autoimmune diseases, which is a destabilized, hypersensitive immune system, if you look at vitamin D in autoimmune uh, diseases, there are 316,000 articles talking of it about the benefits. Every single one of our auto, uh, autoimmune patients with Hashimoto's thyroid, autoimmune right. disease mm-hmm. thyroid, they all have either a single digit or in the teens of their vitamin D level. Right. Yeah, my wife has my wife has Hashimoto's, and as a matter of fact, um, her doctor had put her on a higher dose of vitamin D, which like, is she how much? she she takes now one point twenty five milligrams a week. So one hundred twenty five uh, micrograms a week. Micrograms, which, yeah, exactly. Which is five thousand, not enough. Yeah, yeah not that's enough. not yeah, much. That's it's, not much at all. I well, think that, they, she, they were trying to build her up. You know, no, there's her no it. building up. There's yeah. no toxic. There's no direct toxic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I take, I mean, just, I mean, I take at least two drops. Of, that's about 10, oh. yeah, about 10 a day. Well, can you see this? <laughs> yes, yeah, I can see What that. does it say? <clears throat> Actually, hold on. Actually, Skype's covering up the part that I need to see. <laughs> but uh, go ahead and read it to me, just for those who won't now, be able to see the video. <laughs> this is 50,000 IUs of vitamin D. That's what I take yeah. on Mondays. And yeah. then I take 10 to 20,000 a day. There's no... Yeah. Toxicity to vitamin D. It's what vitamin D does that can cause toxicity. And, you know, calcium. And and one thing about that, you know, especially for people with higher melanin count, you know, my people, you know, the browner you are, we we have this 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 thing that we believe that we think, oh, you know, we're dark. We got melanin. You know, we're good with vitamin D. We're people to some blah, blah. But actually, you know, a lot of studies have shown that a lot of people with darker skin tend to have the lowest vitamin D. And. Pretty much everyone is deficient if they get a blood test. My vitamin D was below 30 the first time I ever yeah, got my, tested. Yeah, I, I was taking 5,000 IUs a day, and it, it wasn't until I jumped it to 20,000 IU that I got into that 70 to 90 range. Considered yeah, exactly. optimal range. So most people are not taking anywhere near enough. That that little 400 IUs you get in your multivitamin, that's nothing. Yo, that's yeah. nothing, man. That, that's see, not even- <laughs> and it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be how many milligrams you're, or how many micrograms, micrograms. or IUs you're taking. It's how much you get into the system, which exactly. is a blood test. Exactly. You know, I've had people taking 10,000 a day, and their blood levels are low. They're yeah. not yeah. absorbed. So you have to look at the gut and uh, 
dysbiosis and, uh, you know, leaky gut and all that other stuff. Here's another thing I came across this week, Doc. When you, when you talk about the vitamin D and with the immune system, I came across another study that showed that a lot of folks that basically they were treated for immune issues when they were treated outside, you know, not necessarily in a hospital, but once they were right. outside, they recovered faster. Even with some of these people with COVID-19 have recovered faster when they were treated outside in these other countries out there, recovered a lot faster outside. And I'm thinking that probably has a lot to do with, again, the vitamin well, D and also fresh air, because also let's think about it. Hospitals, sterile, it can also play a part in your, your mentality as well. well it makes if it you want to get harder. healthy, stay out of a hospital. One of our adages, you know, I, I came out of hospital medicine for a long time. <laughs> right. And, you know, nosocomial infections, you know, you walk in there. I got a, um, a measles um, back in residency in Chicago that, uh, you know, as an adult, I shouldn't have gotten. It was only for kids. But right. being exposed <clears throat> to shit like that in, in the hospital setting, you get you get things, you know. And then the medication they gave me, right, FAMP, and just screwed up my entire system. Mm. But I had a young daughter, you know, uh, a toddler at home, so I had to go on the prevention to prevent her from getting it from me, carrying right. it. But, right. um, you know, vitamin D is turning out to be this incredible uh, product. It helps with the brain, with inflammation in the brain. When you mix it with pregnenolone, it helps uh, free radical scavenging, neuroregeneration, just a whole bunch of stuff that's in the literature. And, um, you know, we're being uh, told that we only need – you know, a thousand, maybe two thousand IUs. But there was an article, and following up on what you, what you were saying, sincere, about uh, being outside. Well, there was a study done in a hospital setting where they looked at the vitamin D levels of people, and they looked at their illnesses, and mm-hmm. they found all these people having on the low end of either normal thirty, hundred. They started seeing some of their illnesses improving, disappearing, mm-hmm. yeah. on the vitamin D. Yeah. You know? And what's counterintuitive with all this is enough okay. vitamin D from sun exposure, though, because that's another misnomer is like, oh, you know, I work out with my shirt off right. outside, so I'm getting all the sun. In my experience, I've tried sun exposure before, and, and my skin is not white. It's not super dark, but also I'm in that category that Sincere was talking about. Right. I, I didn't notice an uptick, at least via blood test, an uptick in vitamin D at all from just sun exposure. <clears throat> It wasn't until supplementation that I got into that optimal range. So is is for most people, it, it makes sense to utilize supplementation because I'm, I would imagine you have to have a large amount of skin exposed for a large well, amount. Yeah, you got to be a nudist, well, man. <laughs> here's what I find. I've got, I've got a family of surfers. They come in once a year and get their full workup, and their vitamin D levels are in the teens. Yeah. Instead of go. being eighty right. to a hundred or sixty, seventy. So what is that telling us? It's yeah. telling us possibly that we're losing the vitamin D receptor gene. And mm. you know, vitamin D and the hair follicles uh go back millennial and it mm. were millions of years, you know, hundreds, tens of thousands of years, hundred thousand years. And why we were hair suit, why we had a lot of hair was to protect us from ionizing radiation, which caused cancer on our skin. So the body adapted and started having sunlight stimulating the um, vitamin D receptor, and that would stimulate hair growth. So we started living in caves. So the body said, hey, over, you know, five, ten million years or 10,000 years of living in caves and huts and houses and shacks and whatever, 
that we weren't getting the sun exposure, so the body said, hey, we don't need that gene anymore. Right. So right. It mutated, it's mutated away because I've got people who are, you know, out there full chest exposed golfing or in the sun playing on a daily basis, lifeguards, whatever, their vitamin D levels are piss poor. Yeah. That's been my experience too. I haven't seen anyone with optimal vitamin D levels who's not supplementing in yeah. general, supplementing at a much higher level than what's commonly recommended. And we need a higher level. This, these levels that they're telling us, you know, 30, anything above 30 is quote unquote within the normal range. Well, 30, 29.99 is abnormally low, and they're saying at 30, you're okay. Right. Well, I mean, 300 for testosterone is considered normal range, but no one feels right. good with such a low level. Well, right. you know, I don't use uh, total testosterone because it's worthless. It's free testosterone yeah. that yeah. you want to have at the median of the range. You know, More people score low on that, too, though. Well, say again? Most people score low on free testosterone as well, from what That's I've seen. stuff that does the work. Total yeah. testosterone has 2% of it is free testosterone. So, you know, I had a, a, a veteran come in. His total testosterone was 853. Right. Really good number. And he felt horrible. He went yeah. through a multitude of docs at the VA. He went to a private doctor. Didn't want to put him on testosterone because his total testosterone was 853. He had problems with... Uh, um, confidence, with assertiveness, with creativity. He was depressed. He was in bed all the time. No libido. His free testosterone was less than five. Yeah. So a, the, the normal scale is what, eight to 25? So five in any, eight is obviously already, like I would say anything below probably 15 is not very good. Correct. Below, on, really our median is 15.4 and most people do great between 15 and 20. It's still within the normal range, but not at the bottom of the range. And, you know, the analogy I always use, which obviously is not working because, you know, my colleagues look at me like I'm, you know, <laughs> off the wall something. I said, you got, two, you got two people sitting in front of you. One guy has a thousand dollars in his pocket. Exactly. The other guy has a million dollars in his pocket. I can honestly say they both have money. The question is, which one do you want to be? Yeah, I was just about to say, basically, you just compare it to, you know, your gross, you know, what you gross and what you net. And basically, yeah. you know, that, that free, that free testosterone, that's your net worth right there. That's what, that's, that's the real money. That's the real money. But yeah. gross income that's is good. like, yeah, whatever. That's just, that's, that's just something you can brag about, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a great analogy. It's like when people talk about their revenue instead of their profit. They go, oh, my right. revenue was a million bucks last year, but the profit shows they were at negative 300,000. dollars. So you, you're better off working minimum wage. <laughs> right. Profit, you know, that person has more money than someone who's bringing in millions revenue but has no profit. Exactly. exactly. Yep. Well, Clomid works really well to get free testosterone levels up. I mean, total as well, but free tends to go way up. I mean, the few times I tried it, Clomid jacked up the free testosterone quite a bit. Well, we've got about 700 people on Clomid for the past uh, 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, seven years. Yeah. And about 700 people, you know, I stopped 17 years of injecting testosterone in January 2015, went on to Clomid because when I saw, you know, we did the three-year veteran study, uh, 2014, 15, and 16, and we found that the uh, effect, I saw the effectiveness of Clomid was so incredible, I threw out the bottle of testosterone and went on to a Clomid, and that's what I've been on. And every now and then, maybe... 
every quarter I might take a hit of um, of testosterone, only a small dose of our blended testosterone, uh, 40 milligrams. You know, if I'm going to do a bike ride or something like not a competition, just for myself, a long bike ride or what have you, to give me a little bit of extra. Or if yeah. I'm going to work 12 hours in 104 degree temperature on my hillside, digging holes to plant new trees. You know, <laughs> I do pleomorphics more than the gym. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Now, with Clomid, some people notice a decrease in sex drive, libido. Is that because the estrogen levels? Psychological. Okay, it's just psychological. It's not because it's hormonal. Yeah, it doesn't make sense that would happen when you look at someone's blood work. Yeah, well, two things that are very important is, one, um, that psychologically you can override everything you're doing correctly for your body. You need to look at the results to get that. And the other is this um, misinformation about how, uh, why a male has to keep his estradiol very tight, which is not true. And I, you've got a great estrogen product that I do put on my patients. You know, I uh, did a study, a small study, and I sent you a letter on it. Your product works very well. But what's coming out is that as long as you have great level of free testosterone, your estradiol level becomes less high free uh, estradiol, then it's significant. And then you ask the patient, do you have any symptoms? And he says, yeah, I'm crying at, you know, at Bambi boots and so forth. I said, yeah, that's not the point. They have physical symptoms because that's the marker that I use when I see guys with very low levels of free testosterone. My lowest free testosterone was less than one. Wow. Less than it's one. basically non-detectable. Yeah, exactly. 97. Zero when it's that low. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're identifying as something else at that point. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But, you know, uh, Clomid's working very, very well. We've got 11 guys that need one tablet a week or every four days. And yeah. I, I've got a guy that I had 50 milligrams every third day. His free testosterone went to 32. 32, wow. which is called hot, and his total testosterone went to like 1,600, 1,523 or so. Wow. And that was every third day because the study we did for three years was to find out what the lowest dose was and the pulsing mechanism to get the highest response on uh, your body's production of uh, testosterone. And we found 50 milligrams every third day was the ideal. Some people fell out of that, so you just modified every other day but we have no one who's on every day i've got one guy 50 milligrams a week and he's keeping levels in the 20s and it didn't make sense because one would assume that the younger you are the more you would respond but this is a 38 year old guy Mm -hmm. so it just blew you know the whole perception that you have to be young to have a good response on clomid and you don't and the argument i make to those guys that have come in that are focusing on just getting injectable testosterone is I tell them, okay, you get on testosterone by itself and then you're on it for a year and then you stop. What happens? Your system crashes. Right. Your system crashes because the effect of being on testosterone is it downregulates the brain's pituitary production of luteinizing hormone and no luteinizing hormone to stimulate the Leydig cells that make testosterone in the testicles and they involute, they atrophy just like your muscles not being used. And sometimes they atrophy to the point where they scar, so you can't recruit them back by giving them Clomid. But if you give someone Clomid, what happens is the system is always 
being encouraging your own system by clomid does not is not luteinizing hormone clomid fakes the brain into thinking there's a deficiency of estradiol which triggers the production of luteinizing hormone and then the luteinizing hormone goes to the testicles or the ovaries to turn on or keep the Leydig cells functioning so what we started was a hybrid program about six years ago six years ago where we use both injectable testosterone low dose and clomid so when you stop the testosterone, the clomid's been keeping your system working and your system recovers. Right. And that you makes know, a lot of sense. yeah, we've both, we've all done recovery cycles with HCG or, um, HCG or, uh, clomid to help, uh, guys recover from, uh, a cycle of heavy duty, uh, anabolic steroids or hormones. Yeah. <laughs> or, right. hormones. and, um, this is preventive medicine. This is about proactive medicine, not waiting for their system to crash and burn, but to prevent them from ever having to experience that. If you've ever experienced being on testosterone, I was on it 17 years, so I, I've experienced it a couple of times where, you know, you how, stop. How did you, how did you transition from injectable testosterone to Clomid? Did you just take both at the same time and gradually wean over? No, that's a great question. What happened was in 2013, uh, the TRICARE, which is the insurance company for the military, was given um, directions by the brass, by the command, that they had to stop dispensing testosterone to the active military, to the military, because they perceived that it was causing the problems like they were having in Guantanamo Bay, where the guys were getting real cocky and, you know, being really aggressive and so forth, and they believed that it was due to testosterone. I won't argue that point, but it can also be due to deficiency of testosterone that can yeah. cause you to be right. hyper irritable and hyper vigilant and just, you know, a dick, so to speak. <laughs> right. And so what happened was we had to go and find some alternative. Now, I've used Clomid quite a bit for recovery. So I was very comfortable with it. So I said, okay, let's try and find out what the best dosing is. So I started having um, our veterans come on board. And the first one I had was a guy from, um, uh, he was a medic from uh, San Diego. And we started him on uh, a protocol. He was getting Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And it was very cute. He was on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And he calls me up after being on it for a couple of months. He said, you know, Doc, my wife says I'm not as spunky on the weekend. You know, because it's Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And he says, I'm not so spunky on Saturday and Sunday. I said, what do you think? He says, well, I, I think that the effect of Clomid disappears. Well, it turns out Clomid has, what, a 32-day half-life on stimulating the Leydig cells. But it lasts for 98 days in their system. So its activity is about 32 directly on Leydig, and it's findable in the body for about 98 days. So I said to him, okay, continue taking it, and on a Monday, two weeks down the road, on Monday, don't take it, and we'll do your blood test. So we did his blood test, and I'm looking at the results. His total testosterone was 801, and his free testosterone was 13.99. His original level of free testosterone was less than one, and his total testosterone was 197. Wow. So I'm looking at this. I'm saying this is the first time I encountered this psychosomatic deficiency syndrome. And I'm thinking through it. I've said, geez, he thinks that Clomid doesn't work. And therefore, when he's not taking it, he crashes. So I called him up 
And I said, Jordan, here are your results. And I explained his results. He said, I got it. That was the end of it. So the brain is incredibly powerful at making you think that things aren't working. That's a placebo effect and nocebo effect, the negative effects from products. And that's why we do, you know, double blind crossover studies to find out, you know, what the uh, placebo effect are and what the now nocebo, the negative effect. Oh, I've got a guy who says I take Clomid and within an hour, three hours of taking Clomid, I get horrible headaches. And then he says, oh, they stopped happening. And it's because his testosterone level got to a level where he got all the benefits from the depression he was having from deficiency of testosterone. Yeah. But his yeah. mind made up the fact that he was having horrible migraines or headaches because of the clomid. It had nothing to do with it. But he he willed himself or made himself into it. And one of the stories that really makes me you know, believe that uh, how powerful the brain is, is there's on, you can look it up on TEDx. There's this doctor who talks about a group of people who had stage four cancer and they were invited into an experimental program where they would get once a week an injection of this new anti-cancer medication for all cancers. And the people would come in, they'd get a CT scan or MRI of the cancer and then they'd get a shot they'd get at the beginning. And then they would monitor the cancer and they see the cancer involuting, getting smaller. And then they ran out, theoretically, they ran out of the product and people were freaking and their cancer started to regrow. You know what the product was? Sugar pills. It's all about sugar water. pills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Injectable water, which tells us how powerful the brain is. And oh, yeah. this doctor, it's a female doc, you go look it up. It's called uh, nocebo placebo effect. And she's, I think, she's not an oncologist. I think she's um, uh, functional medicine, internal medicine. But, I mean, I was told to go look at it to give me an understanding of how powerful the brain is. And, you know, we know how powerful it is. We've had people who, you know, healthy, they lose their spouse, and the next week they're dead. Yeah, it happens often. Yeah. It, it happens very often. Yeah. Because they just terminate this, you know, uh, uh, the termination code. You just will I, yourself. My grandfather died like that. After my grandmother passed, he passed a week later, and he just basically willed himself. Yeah. Yep. He didn't have the... I mean, that's what kept him going because he had a lot yeah. of health issues as well. And I think once she passed, he didn't feel like he had any purpose left mm. in combination with the sadness of losing her. Yeah. Even on the flip, even on the flip side of that, you've had, you have people who, you know, they know they're dying and they're terminal, but they may, they will themselves to hold on to a certain family yes. member comes, comes back home. Like my dad right. did that. My dad pretty much like, you know, I got the call to come, you know, come home immediately. You know, I live about two and a half hours away and I was getting ready to go out of town somewhere else. But basically, once he found out that I was on my way, he held on long enough, you know, for me to get there because they didn't think that he would make it. But he held on. Then like once he woke up, he saw me and, you know, he just he smiled and, you know, he's trying to talk. Say, hey, don't worry about it. And he, he died from um, spinal cancer and uh-huh. it spread all over, actually, by that point. But I just told him, hey, don't talk. I understand. You know, I'm here. I made it. And he mm-hmm. just smiled. And then he went back to sleep. And then probably a couple hours later, you know, he, he transitioned. So, right. you know, it's like I said, there, there's that, you know, it's like I said, it's that opposite effect like that, too, man. Yeah, so well, the mind is so powerful like that. Yeah. yeah. You look at you look at the death rates in executives who uh, retire and you oh, see right. that they die within a year. I think yeah. there was a study a year, a year and a half. Uh, within the time, and they were healthy at the time that they retired. 
Right. But they direct because they have no longer a purpose. A purpose, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, yeah. you know, with your father, his purpose was to make sure that you guys connected. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, with my father when he was dying of bone cancer in the hospital. Um, we, uh, he taught me very young how to play chess. So I became very good at playing chess. And But he would always beat me. But when we were in the hospital, last time we played chess together, I won. Hmm. You know, and whether or not he let me win or, you know, so he felt he had uh, passed it on. And he died right. shortly thereafter. But, uh, you know, horrible disease, multiple myeloma. Yeah. Anyway, you guys, you asked me about um, uh, BPC or, yeah, BCP-157. Yeah, the thymus, body protein compound, 157. Yeah, thymosin 4B and then uh, LR3 IGF-1, um, which are three peptides. And I'd like to add another one to the list, which is um, cerebral lysin. Uh, these are peptides, uh, which, you know, peptide sciences has been getting uh, a lot of um, uh, increase in recognition. In fact, our organization, uh, AMMG, uh, age Management Medical Group out of Florida um, has a new division, and people are rushing to take the class. They, you know, they have to read the books, take the class, do some practicals, and so forth and so on. So it's getting a, a lot of um, uh, interest because of things like BMP157 and thymosin B, which are healing agents. What uh, BPC157, it's a decapeptide from the gut. And what they found is a segment of it is uh, stimulates repair of tendons and ligaments. And um, then another product, which is thymosin B, which adds to it to help with the healing. Now, I'm walking, you know, uh, December 21st, walking through my kitchen, and I didn't see that the, my daughter's boxer had peed a river on the floor, and I slipped. <laughs> And in the oh, process of yeah. slipping, I feel my left quadricep tear, and I land in position screaming for a half an hour. Yeah, that's very painful. Yeah. yeah. So I estimated I ripped the partial tears of the uh, lateral uh, vastus lateralis and the vastus medialis and yeah. pulled my inguinal ligament, my psoas, and obturator because I couldn't function, couldn't walk. Oh, yeah. So I go into the, I hobble to the refrigerator, pull out bottles of stuff I had just received, which is the BCP-157, the thymosin 4 beta, or 500 is also what they call it, and the IGF-1, long chain L3, uh, LR3, long chain uh, IGF-1. I mixed them all together and started injecting myself with a tenth of a cc of the mixture twice a day. In two weeks, I'm 85, 90% better. I had a little bit of difficulty kneeling on the knee. In a month's time, 95% better. Six weeks, didn't even know I injured myself. Yeah, and yeah. that's really impressive because those injuries take a long time to yeah. recover. I was, I was told six months, three to okay. six months. Yeah, most people, I had a groin tear last year, a really nasty one, and the, the pain sounds similar to what you described. And I, I, I had stem cell injections. Honestly, physical therapy helped me the most, active release technique. I did that right away. I mean, literally the next day I, I had treatment, and they yep. gave me a bunch of drills to do. So within a couple of weeks, I was pretty functional. The stem cells helped. And then I also tried body protein compound. Now, this is many months afterwards. Right. 
my experience, I didn't have much groin pain at that time, but I do have some osteoarthritis. I, I found some benefit with it for that purpose. The main thing I noticed with body protein compound is an improvement in gut health. It just felt like your digestion was way better. Right. There's no, I don't get a lot of bloating and gut issues to begin with, but I just, that was the thing that stuck out the most though, is that I just felt like my digestion was on point. Got it. And what, it, there's probiotics in it or lactobacillin or what? No, the BPC. No. no. You, oh, you took oral BCP. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, 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 I took, I, I took injections. I took, okay. I, had, I had injections of, of BPC. Yeah, yeah, I didn't do it in, I mean, if, if I had known about it when I had the groin tear, I would have taken it in close to this injury. It yeah. sounds like that's what you did. Yes, immediately. Because I've heard that it helped with that. Yeah, people with knee issues and so forth, you inject it right into the site of injury. People have noticed benefit with that yeah. from what I've seen. Yeah, I, I got an email from uh, Andrew, Andrew Marr, mm-hmm. and uh, he was telling me, you know, he's working out like crazy. He had yes, a problem is, with man. his elbow. <laughs> And uh, he said, being uh, BPC-157, amazing in one day. Hmm. He had a tendonitis. Wow. How okay. do you, when you inject it directly into the elbow, or do you? is it near? How would you inject it? Let's, let's say I have an elbow injury. Do you try to you go right into it or near I the area? As close, I go as close as possible to the point of maximum sensitivity. Okay. And it's a five-eighths, uh, excuse me, we use a, a one quarter to one half inch thirty one gauge needle. Okay. Okay. What I did for my uh, for my quadriceps was I used a one half inch 30, 30 gauge needle and went directly over the point of maximum tenderness, which yeah. was about uh, one third of the way um, down from my uh, groin. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It was the upper third that the injury occurred and. I couldn't believe it. I didn't have any pooling of blood, uh, nothing. Uh, it was just blew me out of the water. I mean, it was so incredible response. And then uh, the owner of the company that I use was telling me about his three tears in his lunubrium, his rotator cuff tear. Right. And he went to an orthopod, had all the workup done, and he started injecting with only two of the products, which was the uh, Thymosin 4 Beta and the uh, 157. I added to uh, my protocol the long-chain IGF-1, and the reason for that is IGF-1 upregulates the mito, uh, upregulates the ribosomal manufacturing site in the cell, and the ribosomes where protein synthesis occurs. So if you want to really make the protein synthesis synthesis process work ideally, you give it IGF-1. When you use growth hormone, Growth hormone goes to the liver and turns on IGF-1. I wanted to bypass the turning on of my liver function because I'm not too sure about my liver functions these days. So I've been getting great gifts of some phenomenal scotch. So, <laughs> you know, so um, anyway, so well, I went right to the one. some elevated enzymes there, huh? Well, well uh, growth hormone, I mean, uh, alcohol shuts off growth hormone production in the brain. Right. So if you're not making growth hormone, you're not going to make IGF-1. Right. And then right. if you're making shooting growth hormone, if you're shooting growth hormone and your liver is being toxified by medication, by alcohol, by Tylenol, um, you won't be able to com- uh, receive the signal to stimulate 
production of IGF-1. Growth hormone produces the nine proteins. Multiple drinks that come down in growth hormone. With alcohol, is it, is it just, just moderate alcohol consumption still well, leads to shutdown growth hormone, or is it more of excessive drinking? That's the problem. No, alcohol. Okay, that's what I figured. That's one way yeah, to clarify. They, they did studies where they gave people, I forgot how many ounces, about 120 cc's, I think it was, four ounces. And um, they monitored the uh, the growth hormone production and shut it down. Testosterone as well, right? Doesn't you alcohol on testosterone? It's a sugar. Yeah. And what does sugar do to your growth hormone release? Well, it increases insulin resistance so that you have... It shuts you down. Uh, alcohol and fats. That's why high-impact aerobics, uh, low sugar intake, low-fat intake gives you a higher level of growth hormone. Right. Okay, because of those things. So it it uh, defeats the process that you try to uh, use with high-impact aerobics with uh, low sugar intake. So that's the uh, 157. 157, you take it in capsules. It helps the gut. We have people with ulcerative colitis, uh, with Crohn's disease, with um, ulcerative Crohn's disease, who have done much better taking the encapsulated form of 157. So that and all dysbiosis, uh, leaky gut. That's what my daughter does. Yeah, you know, Allison is the naturopath who uh, does takes care of all my uh, takes care of our civilian population with traumatic brain injury, and she does a lot of gu- uh, gut brain because inseparable. The gut screwed up, the brain screwed up. Right. right. Screwed up, the gut can become screwed up. You know, start eating pizzas. So makes sense that. Things like this that improve gut health should improve your immune system, and that right. should help with avoiding any viruses or at least having the ability to fight off the virus if you're infected. Correct. So you want absorbability. You want, you know, whatever you're taking in, the quercetin, the EGCG, and the uh, zinc, you want good absorption. Now, the the last one on the list uh, for this discussion is um, cerebral lysin which is an IV peptide. And it, a lot of the studies came out of Russia. And um, what they found was uh, people with Alzheimer's disease that this would upregulate uh, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which would stimulate nerve repair. So this thing, uh, BNF, uh, I keep on forgetting the orders of the, lev- of the letters due to dyslexia. Um, and that yeah. dyslexia is not due to the scotch, okay? <laughs> um, just too many things going on right now. But uh, this brain-derived neurotrophic factor um, stimulates uh, cell repair. And um, what they're finding in Alzheimer's patients over a period of about a month that people are getting better. And they write about it in the book that Dr. Lee published. And if you want a really uh, good run-through of um, uh, peptides from different areas, Dr. Lee would be a great one for you to converse with. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, he came to, um, he was a guest lecturer at the last uh, TBI seminar I put on for two is days. This is Dr. Edwin Lee, or is this another? Yeah, Ed Lee, okay. he's in Orlando. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Have you had him on the show? No, no, we we just we actually took a break from the show for a while. Yeah. We just, just started getting going again last week. So, but, well, so we'll definitely, yeah, we'll definitely, yeah, I, right I would now, definitely like to talk to right him. Right now would be a, uh, a great time to start start rekindling these, especially with all the turmoil going on around. And, you know, yeah. people who are, you know, avid, uh, uh, avid what? Health, uh, 
concerned individuals working out right. and so forth. Oh, you know, their nutrition, yeah. you know, their nutrition, inclusive of uh, green teas and so forth and so on, um, and zinc, good zinc because of what they're eating, the nuts and so forth. Um, you know, they know that they have a, a buffer of uh, protection. And, you know, the literature, you know, that's my only defense is the literature is so ample in the uh, peer-reviewed studies that are going on. Um, a lot of it, as I said, comes out of China. There are like 2,080 articles on quercetin. So read the ones from Canada with Dr. Ch- Chaitzen, uh Yeah, yeah, I have the, I have the, the link to the study for that yeah. one. Now, with, with quercetin and EGCG and zinc, is what, what, what do you think would be a good starting dosage? What, what I personally use, and you have to understand, I've been on quercetin 20 years, but what I use is 500 milligrams twice a day plus okay. 30 milligrams of zinc. The only issue with zinc is if you don't know your baseline levels by having intracellular zinc performed, and that's a royal blue blood collection tube right. that you can overdose on zinc. And if you overdose on zinc, you can actually decrease your immune system. You can decrease energy production. You can lead to um, copper uh, deficiency. deficiency and copper yeah. deficiency. Yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. four milligrams of copper a day and, you know, have have a piece of liver every now and then. To the cells to protect it from viruses and prevent replication. So it makes sense that Pretty much every zinc supplement should have quercetin right. and EGG in it. Now that we know about quercetin and zinc, and the quercetin and zinc article, it came out in what, 2000 and, let's see, the quercetin and zinc came out in, I think it was 2010, and it was actually a study that they did on quercetin and EGCG with uh, liver cells uh, to see in culture to see the zinc going into the cell well when zinc is in the cell it it scintillates it fluoresces so when you uh did the fluorescence on a liver cell or on a cell that uh, didn't have adequate zinc in it or didn't have any zinc in it it wouldn't fluoresce so right. you knew that the zinc got into the cell when the cell fluoresced so that was the that was the research paper they did and that's how they used uh EGCG and the quercetin to show that zinc is carried into the cells. And then there is other studies with um uh zinc salts blocking hepatitis uh viral replication by inhibition of the viral RNA uh dependent RNA polymerase which is called uh, replicase which yeah. is what every virus needs to make to have the um, the virus take control of your cells and produce lots of virons that are released into the into your system to go and infect other cells. Is there, is know, there any benefit of taking? It sounds like for the purpose that we're discussing here, both quercetin and the EGCG do the same thing. So does it make sense to take both of them, or is one of them fine? Just quercetin. Well, um, make sense. I, I'm pushing the quercetin, but one of our newest products, which is called Brain Care 2, has both quercetin and EGCG in it. So yeah. you're getting it uh, already, and the only thing you need to do is either add zinc to the system, or if you've got zinc, ionized zinc, uh, floating around the body that can't get into the cell by taking quercetin and EGCG, you just upregulate its ability to get into the cell. 
And what, what, what people have to realize is this chloroquine that we keep hearing about in the news every five minutes, the, the reason why it works to help prevent and protect against the virus is because it helps push zinc into the cells. Is that it's correct? It's a dinosaur. Yeah. It's so it's not, it's not anything besides – that's the main mechanism of effectiveness. Absolutely. It's, yeah. So right. instead of taking something that has a bunch of side effects, chloroquine right. – Cause headache, loss of appetite, diarrhea, upset Retinal? stomach, stomach pain, depression. <laughs> right. It's how about like you can get this benefit with quercetin? Then what? Also, chloroquine is going to be really hard to get because all the people that bought all the toilet paper are now buying chloroquine. <laughs> 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 <Illegally> on, <laughs> on pharmacies in India are sold out of chloroquine now because <laughs> so many people buying that in azithromycin. Right. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Um, from quercetin, it can cause uh, visual color defects, specifically red objects, missing central vision, decreased uh, difficulty reading, reduction or blurred vision, glare, flashing lights. These are this all from the side effects. Chloroquine, right? Not quercetin. This is chloroquine. No, hydro, hydroxychloroquine. Right. Chloroquine. It's the malarial drug. Now, someone died taking the hydroxychloroquine recently, but apparently he took... Taking, uh, yeah, the Plaquenol stuff. Um, right. Also, I think a side effect is also bleaching of the skin. Wow. Well, for some people, that might be a benefit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, don't, be don't, don't tempt them with a good time, Doc, by saying that. <laughs> you know, you know there's, there's a culture now, you know, going around where there, people are bleaching their skin already. You know, that's really big in, like, Asia and Africa. And so don't say that because they're like, oh, then, well, some, then some they, they will deplete the shelves of it now. Some, <laughs> some, people that. Have, some people appear to have certain parts of their anatomy bleached. So they exactly. May have that's a viable alternative. <laughs> yeah, well, there was a, um, article that I was reading, I don't know, I think I, when I was looking for um, articles on the, uh, this malarial medication, where I came across an article in Nigeria, where it's one of the hottest things, 77% of Nigerian yeah. women are using yes. products to bleach their skin, and then yeah, there's yeah. this submersion of this chemistry that they submerge themselves, themselves in it, and while they're in the tank, they're scrubbing it, and their color's disappearing. Yep. Wow. I mean, it, it, all you have to do is look at a, a current picture of Sammy Sosa, the baseball, <laughs> yeah. and look at him now. I mean, yeah. it looks like a Dave Chappelle character. It looks like when Dave Chappelle's in whiteface. <laughs> you know, so so it, it looks fake, but it's him now because he's done the same thing. He's done the same procedure. He's been bleaching his skin and getting lighter and lighter. And like I said, it looks like it looks like that movie the Wayans Brothers did, White Chicks. He looks like one of them now. Yeah. So it, it, but like the, it, Nigeria is like the biggest market now. Before it was like Asia. Certain parts of Asia, they they have the largest market. Yeah, for, they've for got skin. they've got a thing called snail cream. Yeah, I'm good. That's hot. <laughs> South Korea, yeah, that's, China, that Thailand. You're right. Yeah, I'm gonna pass on that one. <laughs> that already sounds bad. It already I sounds my bad. Paleness already. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor, what I want to ask you something since we're talking about. When we talk about testosterone, I, I saw um, Dr. Um, John Campbell's videos. I've been watching him over in the UK, and he was finding some very interesting things as pertaining to men with this um, COVID-19 virus. So basically, I think a couple of days ago when they were looking at the UK audit um, of the 196 cases at the time that he made that video, were discharged. And so basically, the, the remaining 175 that they have now, they're um, the ones that need um, mechanical ventilation. They're all in ICU, but out of the 175, 139 of those were men, which basically is 70.9% of the 
of those patients in ICU. And, um, and he's also seen that globally that the numbers of those who have died from it, um, basically have been men. It's been 2.8% compared to 1.7% of the women. And I was just asking you, like, do you think that this also has to do with just like I said, the, the testosterone, you know, being low and, you know, cause he couldn't really figure out exactly like, you know, well, what, what is it about this that makes the men's cases higher? And in the UK, they say that, you know, a lot more men or, you know, really abuse alcohol and smoke a lot more. So maybe their, you know, immune systems already have compromised more than women because of that. Yeah. It, it would, it would mean the need to go and look across the spectrum of DHEA, vitamin D, mm-hmm. uh, testosterone. Because uh, those three are key in terms of uh, immune system. You know, if, if I go to my uh, Google Scholar and I put in about uh, uh, testosterone and the immune system, uh, I've got to learn how to spell testosterone. <laughs> and my fingers are going too f- There we go. Testosterone. Okay. There is 166,000 articles talking about uh, testosterone relative to immune effect, mm-hmm. uh, enhancement. Uh, there's nothing here right off the top. You know, I haven't gone through all 166,000. Uh, <laughs> since 2020, there are 2,000 articles. And they're looking at uh, immunity uh, and testosterone at early adolescent males. Um, let's see, deficiency, uh, sex deficiency. Let's see, testosterone in CD, CD4 plus cells. There are nine articles on, uh, CD4. Decreased ratio of influence of specific IG and IgM response to influenza looking at testosterone levels. Mm-hmm. I mean, <clears throat> You know, we know that there are hormones that have secondary uh, called pleiotropic effects. They have more than just their primary effects, and it's those that are being missed. It's mm-hmm. like what I was say- sharing with you earlier, that testosterone upregulates the anti-inflammatory cytokines while decreasing the inflammatory cytokines and at the same time stimulates the immune system. No one looks at those articles, but they've been done. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Well, what's amazing is how people are so scared of testosterone when there's so many studies out there on the right. benefits. Well, well, I mean, you, they, it has a negative PR campaign. I mean, when you get people out there, I mean, they, you say testosterone, then magically first thing people think about is steroids or they think hyper, you know, hyperactive males and just, you know, and just being very aggressive. And even though even looking at that term, they do it all wrong. And so you got to look at who's who's directing the narrative. We even bring up the word testosterone. Mm-hmm. And so, and so it's like I said, it has a very negative PR campaign. Right. As, well, as, if, as, you, that, if you look at 2020 and you look up testosterone and heart benefits, there are 966 articles published since the beginning of this year. Yeah. OK. Yeah. And if you look at the other stuff. Heart risks. There's a thousand eight hundred twice the amount on risk, but they're all talking about the same risk: thickening well, of the doesn't, blood. Doesn't, doesn't the heart have more testosterone receptors than they have DHT receptors? Yeah, they have okay. DHT receptors, DHT and that receptors. was okay. that's a that's been a, a lawsuit point in New York 
about people who are on finasteride and durasteride that block right. conversion of testosterone to DHT, they found that people that were on uh, finasteride, durasteride, um, that they had higher occurrence of heart disease, heart attacks, and so forth. And they found that the heart's ability to contract with energy, it's called inotropism, is yeah. regulated through DHT, which helps with the strength of contraction. Okay, yeah, DH, so DHT, DHT, DHT the active metabolite of testosterone. Testosterone is right. a precursor. Yeah. It's DHT is four times more anabolic than testosterone, ten times strong in a whole bunch of other areas. Below the neck, above the neck, the free testosterone is what you need to get into the brain to convert to DHT to do all the benefits, libido, sense of well-being, panic attack drops, um, mm -hmm. cognition, the hippocampus, the hippocampus, C1 cells, CA1, CA9 cells, memory recall, and, you know, all those things are DHT. And DHT becomes another thing which, you know, guys who are on excessive amount of testosterone who get hyper, that's because it turns on something called adenocyclase, which is like speed in the brain. It right. creates a speed yeah. effect. So you can have guys who take too much testosterone, they become just bouncing off the walls like they're on methamphetamine. And that's because they create, you know, create more rapidly this uh, adenocyclase. So in a study we did with uh, our oral liposomal testosterone five years ago, we had 140 people in the study. Two of them developed panic attack within 30 minutes of trying the oral uh, liposomal testosterone. They had no history of anxiety in the past, no history of anything in the past, but they developed it. They are guys who rapidly absorbed the testosterone and it rapidly converted down a cascade to stimulate uh, adenocyclase. So it's, you know, one of those things we don't see very often, but we have to warn our patients who tend to overuse their testosterone. Sure. Right. So... What about what about DHA DHA and the immune system? You discussed that, but what about androstenol? Have you, have you come across any data? Something uh, I came across. No, I, that. I don't look at AD. Uh, you know, there was that product AD1 that was taken off the market because it needed yeah, one yeah. enzyme to convert to testosterone. But uh, AD1, you know, goes down a pathway uh, from DHEA to AD to estrone. And then uh, okay. it can also convert over to um, some minimal amount of testosterone, but DHT. So yeah. I I don't really use anything that's uh, AD. And you know when you if you do a complete hormone workup in patients, you look at estrone and estradiol because it tells you about the genetics of the patient because they'll either go from DHEA to estrone or DHEA to estradiol if they go excessively down estrone, you're missing the pass-through to testosterone. So you can actually block the conversion of DHEA to estrone with 7-keto DHEA. So right. you could foster pushing more of the DHEA down the testosterone to estradiol. Got and then it. you use zinc to block or use EC1 and block the uh, production of, um, of estradiol. But in our military, what we find is they have incredibly high levels of DHEA and DHEAS and low levels of free testosterone. And that's because the enzyme is toxed. It's poisoned. It's, uh, it's, um, yeah, toxed by heavy metals like lead and right. mercury. 
So mercuric chloride from the primer and the lead from the the bullet going out of the air uh, gun, and they do close quarter combat. And you know the guys that I right. see who train in you know um, urban combat, close quarter um, uh, combat, mm -hmm. um, they have the highest amount of DHEAS to um, testosterone ratio, and they have heavy metal toxicity or environmental toxicity from the burn pits, you know, something that they're now, they've been looking at for about three to five years, but the, the plumes of toxic elements in the burn pits, along with, uh, you know, training and actual going and doing, um, you know, um, being deployed, actively deployed, you know, you're exposed yeah. to all this stuff. So, um, we do heavy metal testing. We do a, a, a high-tech uh, HLP uh, urine test for heavy metals. And we've actually found one guy who had symptoms of mania. He was manic. Symptoms were mild, but they were manic. And it turned out he had no lithium. So he ended up using a, a lithium um, product from, uh, what was the company? Uh, it was a uh, natural product from the guy... 10 milligrams twice a day in a few weeks he was back to normal but he had and been because the heavy, the high heavy metal levels were depleting lithium uh yeah heavy metal lithium there are nutritional metals lithium is one of them okay. and then there's uh toxic metals like mercury lead uh okay. and so forth and we have a panel that looks at uh 22 toxic heavy metals and 11 nutritional metals and we right. look at chromium because our diabetics all are chromium deficient. Right. So you have to look at uh, urine chromium and as well as intracellular using that royal blue tube. Uh, Dr. Campbell found out that a lot of those cases over in the UK, 71% were overweight or morbidly obese. And most of those who pretty much were healthy, as you can say, they weren't in those three categories. They recovered quickly and were they were released. So... I guess that's another thing. So consider. comparing the heavy to the ill-looking people, body habitus being the means of definition, mm -hmm. the ones who were thin, aesthetic, did better than the ones who were obese. Well, the ones that weren't, you know, considered overweight, obese, or morbidly obese. So everyone that fell below that 25%, you know, ratio. Right. Count is, yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting to see what their BMI, if they yeah. use BMI to determine that. That's what they did. They did. Oh, use they BMI. did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so that would be an interesting thing to look at. But, you know, um, it's assumptive that when your BMI is high that your hormone production is low because the influence of fats on the hormone cascade and growth right. hormone. Because growth hormone is shut down, shut off when you are obese. Yeah. You can't make growth hormone. It's the way the system looks at, you know, what's in the blood. Yeah. It shuts you down. So I guess the takeaway for this for folks who don't have the virus is like, you know, look, man, you know, use your, you still get out because, of course, that's the that's the downside of this. You know, everybody's being encouraged to stay inside. But it's springtime man. get out. Just stay six feet away from people. But for, <laughs> for me, for me, that's not hard. I don't like being that close to people anyway, because people have been nasty long before this virus. <laughs> you know, so so you know, get out and enjoy the fresh air. Yeah, we're shut down too in Las Vegas. I seen so many people at the park then now it's grand exactly. central station well they're the saying that just like, a lot of places well, right at the park right. you know yeah a lot of these parks are like just, like just packed like in houston 
you know, these parks have like, I've never seen that many people. I saw pictures like at Memorial Park, which is like the largest park we have here. I guess you can say that's our central park. And it's never been this packed before. I'm just like, mm-hmm. where did all these people come? And it's hot. It's getting hot yeah. already. So, you okay. know, that's the first excuse they right. use. Like, it's too hot to go outside. But now everybody wants to be outside because they're told they need to stay inside. When you're, everybody's childlike at the end of the day. Like most people who would sit in, usually sit inside and they're on their phones and on their computers. Now they can't wait to get outside because yeah. they're told to stay inside and, you know, find something else to do. Well, you saw what they did at Venice Beach, at Malibu and all that. They shut down the beaches because yeah. as saying about what's happening in the parks, that's what's happening by the beach. Same in Miami. Well, it's it was raining. Like almost, yeah, the same thing was happening in Miami. Yeah, now they closed it down. They said, well, stop acting like children. Well, they were mostly <laughs> children out there. Yeah, Come exactly. On. Spring breakers. You know, they're all yes. on the news. They're news talking about, if I get corona, then I just get corona. I'm like... Really, dude? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know there's a lot of other extracurricular activities going on during spring break with these kids. So I was like, well, you're definitely going to be passing around big time. Like, you have to worry about STIs this time around in spring break. It's going to be the corona that takes over. Uh, so I, anyone, anyone who's ever had pneumonia wouldn't make such a moronic exactly, statement. Exactly. Have you had pneumonia? Shows. Sorry, what was that? Have you had pneumonia? Yeah, yeah, I've had it twice. I had it last year. I had it in 2003. Uh-huh. I, had, I had really nasty cases. I had the yeah, first fun. time I had had the lung drained. Yeah, first time I had to had the lung drain. Had all this fluid build up. Yep. Second time I knew the symptoms, so I got treatment. Unfortunately, I, I, I was able to use a company called Dispatch Health, which I'm recommending a lot now, where they'll actually send medical people over to your house. And I had two nurse practitioners show up. They did everything that they would have done in the emergency room without right. me having to go to the hospital. They were able to prescribe antibiotics, which I definitely needed at that yep. time. And it, it took a long time to get over that. I mean, it took many months before I started feeling pretty good. My respiratory yeah. system took a huge hit. Yeah. For a, you know, strength came, physical strength came back pretty quickly, but any kind of any kind of endurance took a right. long time to get back. Yeah. You know what they're talking about with the uh, COVID nineteen is that its influence on hemoglobin. You know, so people with diabetes, which has an altered hemoglobin because the sugar connects to the hemoglobin, glycosylated hemoglobin alters it. And people with respiratory related problems because they can't get oxygen in, you know, those are the ones that are at highest risk. Right. So, you know, what happens, you don't, you know, you didn't have COVID back then and you're not going to have it now. But um, how important having good lung functioning is. And, you know, then you look at all these people yeah. sucking on the, the uh, what do they call it, vaping? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, what's what's wrong? I mean, uh, you don't pick up a gun and put it to your head and pull the trigger for obvious reasons, but that's what they're doing with the, with the vaping. You know? Yeah, the vape, anyways, is worse than regular cigarettes. So you're well, taking all these because of the right oil. Now. Yeah, they're yeah. inducing something called lipoid pneumonia. When I was in residency, we used to see where I was in uh, Chicago, you know, they would put uh, Vicks or they'd put um, uh, uh, an oil, a Vaseline in their nose because it was cold. And yeah. when they'd go to bed, they'd inhale it because the heat would cause it to become vapor. They'd inhale it and it would cause lipoid pneumonia. So they didn't have a bacteria. They had a reaction. It's a reactive um, uh, pneumonia, and they were dying from that. So you don't need to have a bacteria. You just need to um, challenge the sensitivity of the lungs. You could, we're not treating our lungs with enough respect is really what yeah. it is. Uh, I mean, it's already it's already hard. It's, the lungs already have a hard enough fight just with just the environment, just with all the yeah. chemicals that are in the air, especially if you live in large populated cities like I do. <laughs> you know, so 
it's already it's already working hard just to survive in that. But then you don't need right. to join, you don't need to sit there and double down and, and gang up on him, you know, on the longs, you know, along with the environment by doing extra stuff like that. Well, doesn't alcohol have a negative effect on lung function as well, either indirectly or directly? Uh, alcohol and uh, lung function, I don't know off the top of my head about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, closing my eyes and seeing the articles I've read because I haven't read any specifically about it. But, you know, alcohol diminishes the immune system, yep. alters protein synthesis uh, directly with hemoglobin. I don't know. OK, yeah. but, yeah. you know, it's possible because it's, uh, you know, alcohol is is not really the most friendly thing. Things where you kind of like immune system the best shot possible during all this stuff is going like i i haven't even had like any scotch or whatever like in over a month ever since this thing's been announced like i probably had one cigar in the last three months that was like my first time since december and i'm good now because i'm like I, i'm i want to make sure that you know my body's functioning on is with the best possible chance it, it can have i don't want to do anything to really tax my immune system i really mm-hmm. want to build it up so yeah i was like ah, i can go without you know having having a drink or smoke because you know of course when everybody feel like they're gonna have to be shut in everybody's like oh look, gotta go to the liquor store and stock up like, <laughs> but and they're stocking up on that and they're stocking up on junk food at you know at all the big box stores or whatever i'm just like at the end of the day the coronavirus is not going to be the thing that takes you out it's going to be the the high blood pressure and the and the, and the <laughs> diabetes that's going to take you out while you're all hemmed up or you, your spouse might take you out because you never spent that much time with them, and now you're stuck together all this time. So I can, I can probably one of the big effects of this whole virus is probably going to see a high birth rate, a high divorce rate, and a high diabetes and, and heart in heart rate, you know, um, heart disease rate going up. Anything, right. Man. So. Yeah. Well, you know what uh, Trump said this morning was that he's concerned about the suicide rate going up. That's a side effect of yeah. Corona. Yeah. Hmm. He said that based on the fact that he thinks people are going to commit suicide because they're not employed right now. But <laughs> right. it's only been one, it's only been one week is what people yeah. have to keep in contact. And that's a good and that's a good and that's a good campaign to make people hate. That's a good campaign to make people hate the Democrats even more since they keep shooting down all those bills that would actually have those checks sent out to, you know, the American people or whatever. So that, that's a good political tactic as well. But I would think that it makes it, and that's just my opinion, I think it make it a little bit harder, you know, for those to commit suicide because people, now everybody in your house is constantly around. You know, you're not alone as much, you know, unless you're already alone. You know, and most likely right. those people are already at a high risk of committing suicide. But now, if you actually someone that has family or have loved ones and people around you, and they're constantly around you, it makes it a lot harder for you to find that time to, you know, to commit suicide. Well, let, let, let's, I mean, let's look at the real issues with depression. How many people are going to commit suicide just because they don't right. have a for a week? Right. If, if you look at the reasons why people commit suicide, somehow I, I doubt that's in the top ten. Is that, exactly. okay, you know. I, I, I lost my job well, for a week or I wasn't sure if, when I was going to be able to work again. Those are the just highest, reasons. Yeah, one of the highest things on that list is the fact that a lot of people are lonely. You know, they're alone. Oh, well, yeah, sure. Well, this is about to take care of that for a little while. 
for the most part, <laughs> you know. And now they're probably going to, some people are going to appreciate being alone probably after this. So, yeah, man. So I don't I don't think that the job is going to be the thing. That's so 1929. You know, he's, been, he's speaking about the first stock market crash or whatever else, then I can see that. But guess what? There were a lot of people who didn't have jobs back in 1929 already. There were a lot of poor people. That was prior to the Great Depression and whatever. So, yeah, it kicked it off. People, a lot of people back then were already poor and already broke, and guess what? They survived. So, if anything, what, you, you think it's going to be an increase in suicide against what? They're, they're the most greedy people in the world who are probably going to lose everything. What, are they really going to lose everything, though? I mean, like I say, it's not 1929 now. Because why? 1929 happened, and you learn from that. If anything, you see more people, you know, taking advantage of the fact that, you know, stocks are going down or whatever, because they see the long haul in this. They didn't think that, that this is the end of the world. And this is not the last, this is not the first and last virus we've had. I'm like, come on, man. Zika was just here not too long ago. And Ebola keeps making a comeback like a Tupac yeah. album. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, I think there's confusion there, too, in the sense that SARS is a type of coronavirus. Right. This is different than SARS. Do you, are you, do you, are you aware of what the major differences are between the coronavirus we're dealing with right now and SARS from 2003? Well, SARS from 2003 was a coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And the one that we have now is in the family of coronavirus. It's called Nyloviridae's, and it is um, a genetic difference. And that genetic difference changes the way that it attacks us and how it attacks us because it's based on the proteins that it generates. So that's why they're calling it a novel form because they haven't seen this coronavirus with the genetic matrix that it has. It fits within that family. Right. Okay. Right. So it it is a coronavirus, and the reason why they're calling it COVID-19, I think, is because of its unique pattern that it's number 19. Or, right. You know. Oh, that's strange, yeah. But uh, the, the data on these medications, on the azithromycin and chloroquine, is based on research that was done with SARS, right? And they're just trying to extrapolate to that to say, okay, it seemed to have some merit there, so maybe it'll have some merit here. Right. Well, being good scientists, you can't assume that let's right, say the right. SARS from That's 2003 was COVID-5. Right. So you've got COVID-5 with its unique genetics, and now we have one that we're calling COVID-19. It's in the family, but it's not. The, it's like the human family. Homo yeah. sapien family, Homo habilicus, Homo sapien. Well, Michael, I mean, yeah, Mike, uh, Sincere and I were three totally different looking people, thank God. And, um, <laughs> you know, but we're still with the same genetic, foundational genetics. Right, right, okay? right. We function differently, <clears throat> we speak differently, we act differently, we think differently and so forth. That might be social, cultural, you know, educational, whatever. But the viruses have their differences, too. So to be good scientists, you can't assume, as much as we'd like to, that what worked for COVID-5, hypothetical COVID-5, will work for COVID-19, and that's why they still have to do the science. Right. Yeah, Yeah. 100%. Okay, and that's why this doctor from McGill University is in China doing this major study of the benefits of quercetin on the COVID-19 um, you know, they've already found with uh, in France, I think it was, if I'm not mixing up my articles, in France, they already showed a decrease in viral shedding 
with the use of uh, the malaria drug, the uh, yeah, chloroquine. I'm looking at that right now. It said, let's see, the virus dropped from about 100% to about 30% within six days. Yep. And they received the chloroquine. Yep. And for those who did not receive the drug, it is still more than 80% after six days. Right. Now, it would be interesting to see what happens when they give zinc with the chloroquine. Right. Or they, or they use the um, uh, quercetin and zinc. You use quercetin by itself, then quercetin and zinc, and then zinc by itself, and see what the load is. Yeah, I was listening. To, I was listening to Hannity, Hannity the other day for yep. music, by mm-hmm. the way. Well, not because I think it's a great source of news, <laughs> but even he mentioned that there is a doctor that started using the chloroquine, azithromycin, and zinc. That stack. So that's starting to get. It's starting to get in the vernacular now that these are possibilities. Right. Well. Looking at uh, safety parameters, cost effectiveness, uh, you know, the quercetin, EGC, and zinc seem to be, you know, doing well. And, you know, when I look back on the past 20 years of my patient population in this office, 19 years in this office, you know, people uh, on their MPQ, as I showed you earlier, are constantly stating they're exposed at work, at um, home. And they're not getting sick. Or if they do get sick, it's attenuated. It only lasts for a day or two. And it's not Mm -hmm. as intense, not as deep of uh, symptomatology. Is this coincidental? What? Yeah. People need to be aware of the healthier you are, the healthier you this up. I mean, in fact, some of the people that have it who don't notice any symptoms, probably because they're fighting it off effectively to the point where they're even manifesting. The problem is they're still out there infecting. Yeah, people. they're carriers. You know, they're basically drug mules right now. Yeah, <laughs> they're, just, they're just carrying it around and just you know just dropping off. Hey, you know, someone who has a less efficient immune system is catching it from these folks. Yeah. So that, that's what, that's the thing they've been trying to drive home with everybody. Yeah. I think. Like, yeah, I think what they need to do is also to clarify that when they do a blood test and you're positive, it doesn't mean that you're you know you're sick. They're, you know, the, they have the stats now of people who are testing positive, but they have no symptoms. Right. right. You know, so they're carriers. So it's only the people with immune deficiency or with uh, health um, issues that are succumbing to it, and not right. all. Well, then, then right. like, that plays to the politics of it all right there, because if you say that, then, you know, you can't, you can't keep pushing the fear. But at the same time, people won't take it as serious as well. That's the flip side of that. We're like, oh, well, I don't have, you know, yeah, I may have the symptoms, but I'm not sick. Then I'm going to go about my day and do what I want to do. Well, if you look at Italy, the politicians out there are basically saying, stop fucking going out there. Stay the fuck home in those exact words. They've had enough. <laughs> yeah. And then when well, people are when people are seen walking around, other people are saying, I guess these are officials. They yeah. shouldn't be out there either. They're saying, hey, look, what are you doing out here? Go home. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we we may get to that point if people continue to just be as lax as they seem to be in a lot of areas. Well, the biggest thing is like you know the, the older communities, and that's the one thing that Italy had, you know, in that in that particular section that had the most cases. Right. And so the biggest thing is you got you know naturally over here you've got people, especially who haven't seen family and who knows when, but they feel like, oh, this is the time, you know, to reach out to your loved ones. This is the time they want to go and see grandma and grandpa, you know, the the young ones or whatever. It's like, no, jackass, not now. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the time to, you know, reconnect with grandma and grandpa when you've been missing an action for the last 5, 10, 15 years. This is not the time now to reconnect. Stay away from them. <laughs> you know, otherwise, you know, yeah. you could end up compromising their, their health. 
just just pivoting a little bit with your with your TBI patients, do you use any intravenous glutathione or vitamin C? Um, have we used IV uh, glutathione? Yes. Have we used IV vitamin C? Yes. And that's what my daughter has a company called Live Natural, and uh-huh. they do IVs. And, uh, you know, some of our guys that are still active in San Diego with, uh, you know, buds with the uh, mm-hmm. Navy, uh, mm-hmm. they go to our office in uh, Little Italy and they get uh, treatment with it. But uh, you can use also nanoliposomal uh, right. vitamin C and get more into the system, the amount over a certain period. And if you alter the delivery technology to liposomal, you can absorb a lot more and therefore get a higher dosing. So... You know, liposomal, I bet you that liposomal and vitamin C are probably off the shelves now because no, I, I, I managed to get some before. Actually, I, I usually take that during flu season, so I happened to have a bunch around before this whole thing happened. But I went yep. to buy a few more bottles, and they're sold out everywhere, yep. both yeah. liposomal vitamin C. Yep. Actually, liposomal glutathione is still available, and my guess is because people are just not educated on the benefits of it, so that hasn't sprung off the shelves as quickly. But liposomal vitamin C is is The other thing they're talking about is nitric oxide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you've seen yeah, that. An article about that. Yeah. Yeah. There are articles coming up on nitric oxide as being uh, one of the intracellular things that helps to kill the virus. Right. So the question is, how do you get nitric oxide elevation? And that's through the use of arginine. What about citrulline? Doesn't citrulline increase citrulline, arginine? No, citrulline is a byproduct. You get nitric oxide and citrulline being produced. Right, but I, I thought that citrulline increases arginine more than taking arginine supplementation would. Uh, let's see what this says. I, I take citrulline. I take six <clears throat> grams every day. Uh, yes, yeah, citrulline is used in um, is the carboxylic acid cycle or the... It's in the citrus cycle, in the um, citrulline malate. Yeah, yeah, there's citrulline malate, and then there's just 100% citrulline powder. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Yeah, if my memory holds me, citrulline's a byproduct of arginine. Arginine okay. is pretty poorly. Arginine is pretty poorly absorbed, isn't it? Or are there are different extracts of arginine or different molecules that maybe have better absorption than just straight arginine powder? Correct. Um, You know, the citrate form of it, uh, arginine citrate, arginine uh, fumarate, arginine acetate, the highest absorbed um, zinc is uh, acetate and then uh, citrate. Generically speaking, citrate is uh, very well absorbed. Uh Uh-huh. So let's see. I think it's at home. I have this incredible uh, graph of how um, how arginine is metabolized through all the pathways. And I don't have it here. Uh, yeah, don't have it. But, but keeping, okay. keeping nitric oxide levels optimal in general is good for health, right? Or heart health, circulation. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it helps with um, nitric oxide, with uh, blood flow. Uh, in the brain, when you have inflammation, the one of the inflammatory products is called reactive oxygen species. It's a byproduct of metabolism. And under stress, you generate a lot of it. And it goes right. and steals. It steals the nitric oxide from 
what helps the blood vessels dilate. So when you do a spec scan, you'll see areas of the brain where blood flow is poor, and those are areas of damage caused by the inflammatory um, uh, loss of nitric oxide. And nitric oxide and reactive oxygen species generates another chemical called uh, peroxynitrite, which is horrible. It destroys protein. It destroys DNA. It destroys cellular functioning. So when you have trauma, um, you lose nitric oxide, so arginine helps. Yeah. Uh, dropping the inflammation with, you know, products that we use to drop what inflammation. So is liposomal arginine, is that available? Yeah, there's liposomal. That would make the most sense for maximum. Yeah, it absorbs well because, yeah. yeah, nitric uh, N-acetylcysteine, NAC, yeah. is a precursor. It has two of the three amino acids that creates uh, nitric uh, glutathione. Right. And I, we use a lot of NAC, and we see the brain inflammatory markers, the interleukin-1, 1B, 6, and tumor necrosis factor alpha drop. Uh, and that tells us that we're getting a handle on the inflammation right. that is has been a byproduct of their trauma from whatever, car accident, blast trauma, slip and fall. Do you still prefer to do TRT versus Clomid, or can Clomid still be effective? Well, what you do is you test the system. We test everybody's system. The beauty of Clomid is that it tests the entire circuit. It tests the hypothalamus, the pituitary, the Leydig cells, and back to the hypothalamus. So if you get an increase in the production of testosterone, you know that the circuitry is working. Okay. Okay? And you can see it because we, we do the testing. We do all the hormones that are involved in the cascade from luteinizing hormone down. It's luteinizing hormone, which is the rate-limiting hormone that allows cholesterol to be converted in the mitochondria to pregnenolone. And pregnenolone, the mother of all hormones, is the hormone that generates on one pathway, you know, down from uh, pregnenolone progesterone to allopregnenolone to cortisol to cortisone to uh, aldosterone, and on the other pathway, DHEA to DHEA uh, for AD1 to estrone and the other pathway, uh, testosterone to estradiol and then estradiol to estrone and then both of them to estriol. So it follows all the pathways and we follow all the pathways because you don't know where you screwed up and you don't know where the person has genetic predisposed deficiencies. Yeah. We, we found people where they don't have heavy metal, but genetically speaking, they're deficient in an enzyme. So they don't produce, you know, adequate amount of whatever the hormone is. Right, right. So if you look at the entire landscape at the before you start messing with the system, you can find a lot of interesting facts that they need zinc or they need to have heavy metals done. If you just... Right, yeah, and that's an important point because people tend to... And I've been guilty of this myself where you just read about something, you go, that sounds good, let me add that in the regimen. Then you read about something else. Oh, that sounds interesting. Let me add that in. Now you're right. taking 50 different right. products. Uh, I'm looking at one of my graphs. Arginine is um, converted to citrulline through an enzyme called nitric oxide synthetase. Mm-hmm. And when nitric oxide synthetase works on the arginine, it produces nitric oxide and citrulline. So the end product is citrulline. So citrulline goes into the, I think it's the carboxylic acid cycle, and feeds it. So let me see. 
Well, I, I've used citrulline. You know those nitric oxide strips you can get? Yep. You put it on your tongue in the morning. I don't know if you if you feel that's effective or not, but um, I, I've used citrulline, and it definitely yeah, takes me a darker color range of it. Yeah, there are a couple of companies that make it. We used it in our project in Southeast Asia as a means of dictating whether or not they needed, you know, uh-huh. arginine or nitric oxide. Uh, people with um, blood pressure-related issues, arginine helps to lower blood pressure, helps stabilize blood sugar, um, helps improve cardiac functioning. Uh, citrulline, there's something about citrulline I'm just blanking on, but uh, citrulline has some benefits. So... It definitely uh, has pre-workout benefits. You get better muscle pumps, yes. more endurance. You know, yeah. I use it for that purpose. And I think that's because of the uh, tricarboxylic acid or the uh, glucose shunt or the 6-phosphate. It's one of those uh, enzymatic processes or pathways that helps with energy production, glucose, and therefore right. helps with muscle workout because you you supply glycogen. Yeah. So I'll get that reread uh, next time. Well, one final point, I know I know Sincere has to go in a few minutes. Me too. But with estradiol, yeah, I'm sure you I'm sure you had to go probably an hour. (laughs) (laughs) With I I just want to drive a point. I just want to make sure that people understand what you said about estrogen because people get very pedantic about estrogen levels when they get a blood test. I've had people tell me, oh, my testosterone's a thousand, my free levels are good, but my 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 estradiol is 45, so I'm really concerned. (laughs) <laughs> guys, they think they're going to grow a pair of hooters if they don't get this under control. Right. And it's essentially what you're saying is that the blood test can be useful, but it's more symptoms of nipple sensitivity, for example. Now, a lot of guys just have nipple sensitivity, period. <laughs> so that may not be related. <laughs> they got to stop robbing them. You know, for some people. <laughs> that's uh, what's it called? It not in ergogenic zone, but an erogenous zone, right? <laughs> yeah. so That's what they're calling it these days. To summarize, <laughs> don't worry about your blood test of estradiol, but if you have nipple sensitivity, you know, that's <laughs> I, This is what I tell tell the guys when they're – I've got a couple of guys where their level of estradiol is twice the highest, so 45 is the, is the um, highest, and they're at 80, 90, 119, yeah. And I ask them, they don't make any comment to me, to me, and I tell them what the level is. And before I tell them the level is, do you have any physical symptoms or any complaints you'd like to tell me before we go through the labs? And I said, yeah. no. I said, everything's fine? Yeah. I said, uh, do you wear a T-shirt? Yeah. You put it on? Okay. Yeah. Any problems with uh, sensitivity any place on your body? They said, no, because if they did have sensitivity, putting the T-shirt on and it touches their nipples and they like hypersensitive. Right, and that's estradiol, right. unopposed estradiol, and that's really what the issue is, unopposed estradiol, unopposed by testosterone. Testosterone yeah. counteracts a lot of the side effects of estradiol, just like progesterone counteracts the estradiol negative effects in women. Right. So right. testosterone helps us with that. So only in guys that have piss-poor levels of testosterone. My daughter said that's a, a technical term, piss-poor. <laughs> that's a so very accurate. Piss- yeah, exactly. <laughs> His poor levels of testosterone with even normal levels of estradiol, they can still have symptoms. Right. That makes so, a lot of sense. So if, if you have really low testosterone levels and then high estrogen, sometimes you have low testosterone and also low estrogen because yep. testosterone is not converting to estrogen. 
But if you have low testosterone, but then your estrogen's through the roof, that's a big problem. Or, or even not even through the roof, just elevated outside the range. Right. And I've seen guys who have the following laboratory results. Low normal testosterone, high normal estradiol, yeah. and low zinc. Okay. Their problem is the zinc deficiency is allowing for the aromatase enzyme, estradiol synthetase, to convert whatever testosterone they have to estradiol because it's a biochemical process. Yeah. Okay, so you fix the zinc deficiency and you see a correcting of it. Also, in looking at the total testosterone to the free testosterone, if you have, if you do 2% of the total, that number should be at or below where your test free testosterone level is. So, for instance, if you have that 853 that Jordan had, yeah. 2% of that is 17.06 or 17.6. Right. So, if he had a 4.9 on his free testosterone, you're asking yourself, where's the other 13? Right. Well, right. where the other 13 goes is if you have selenium deficiency, your Free testosterone converts over to DHT. If you have low zinc, it converts over to estradiol. And then there's a whole bunch of other forms of testosterone, uh, epitestosterone, which is the, um, is the mirror image of testosterone that has no function. There's, you know, 14, 17, 17, 13 testosterone. There's other things that testosterone becomes. Estradiol is what testosterone becomes. Right. So if you have an elevated um, uh, total testosterone proportionately higher than where you're free should be at, you better start looking at trace minerals as right. mineral deficiency. So this is a project we started mid-year last year, and it's coming to fruition that giving patients a mixture of trace minerals, which has in it the zinc, selenium, magnesium, molybdenum, manganese, chromium, copper, that we see this number, this a gap between free and total testosterone narrowing, so it becomes more of the two percent. Right, got so it. The point is minerals, trace minerals play an important role, and you can go to you know Wikipedia or to Google and look up uh, selenium and DHT. Okay, it's a rate limiting uh, a mineral that slows down the conversion, and it helps the thyroid. Zinc is one of the key. Um, minerals for thyroid function, for healthy thyroid function, for T4 production. Right. Okay. Right. All right. With that said and done. Thank you I'm very sure. much. Yeah, we appreciate it. Always a wealth of knowledge. And uh, people can learn more about Warrior Angels at warriorangels.org, right? Correct. It's uh, org. Warrior Angel Foundation, abbreviated org. Um, and then the paper that uh, I sent you a copy of um, mm-hmm. will be posted on our new website. It's a nice slick area, uh, which is uh, tbihelpnow.org. Okay, perfect. And it's perfect. Emerging I'll, I'll, Science of Coronavirus Defense. Okay, perfect. I'll put a link, if you don't mind, to that on my website. Okay. I won't put the actual article on my website, just the link. No, no, no. Could, yeah, yeah we'll it'll be posted your later tonight uh, yeah. up there. Okay. We'll put it, okay. It'll be in the show notes as well, folks. So, 
All right, super. Okay. And uh, let's see, just send me an email verifying your addresses, and yes. uh, I'll get uh, some brain care too, and B is for brain sentia. And uh, I had one of my guys um, wake up one morning. He uh, decided to run the L.A. Marathon, never ran a marathon before. <laughs> Feeling so great, he woke up and started training. It took him eight months. He's in his eighth month. He's running 20 miles a day or 20 miles three times a week. Wow. And um, he gets on to the Brain Care 2 and the B is for Brain. The next week, he added the 6.25 miles, so he's at 26. He said it was unbelievable. The clarity of his mind allowed him to do whatever he wanted to do. That's amazing. That's awesome, man. Yeah, so I want you guys to try it and use it when you're working out. Sincere, on our first product, Clear, uh, Clear Mind and Energy, you wrote about your focus during working out, as a lot of other guys who aren't professional in the gym, they're just, you know, gym rats. They said focus is so much better when they're using well, Clear Mind and Energy. These new two that I'll send you are the next step up. Well, I'm in the personal defense industry now, so I, I'm teaching. I'm a firearms instructor, so focus is very really? important. Yeah, yeah. So I've been doing that for the last few years now. Actually, that's when I transitioned from the fitness world over to that, and now I'm doing that full time. And, wow. And at the time when I was telling you that, that's actually where I, I got the most focus, you know, especially when we're doing, you know, force-on-force drills and close-quarter combat, stuff like that, because when you, you get in that that instruction right there is kind of intense. So you got to really pay attention and with yep. that. And that's when it was helping me the most. So, yeah, um, it's definitely a field that, that requires that type of focus. Right. So right, I'm definitely, right. I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, pretty much testing out on certain days. Like there, there would be some days I would do it when, okay, I didn't get as much sleep today. Let's right. see how much I can focus today. Or do I just need to take, you know, I need to back off. You know, gotcha. can, it, can it give me a little boost that I need for at least 45 minutes at the range? You know, I wouldn't try to push it and do a two-hour or three-hour session at the range then, but can it give me a little boost for, like, 30 to 45 minutes, you know, running some drills or whatever? So I'll test it out with that as well. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I need you to uh, give me a phone call when we get finished with this so I can uh, uh, talk to you about uh, two of my SF guys who do exactly what you do, mm -hmm. and, you know, they travel all over, two guys. Okay. And uh, probably would be uh, – I'll get some background on, you know, how you ended up in this. And uh, the two guys are really good. They're using the product. Okay. They're loving the product. Okay. Okay. And they come out and they teach the sheriff's SWAT, mm -hmm. LAPD, all, and all the PDs. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We'll definitely They're talk cool about They're cool guys that. and they like scotch. Oh, well, it makes it even better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But not before or after. Uh, only after. Of course. <laughs> gotta earn I like the way you man. said that. Of course. <laughs> All right, you guys. All right, bro. All right, thank so you, Doctor. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. You have a good All one. Right, thank you. Thank you. Be well. That wraps up this week's Live Life Aggressively show. Be sure to head over to MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the coupon code LLA12 and receive 12% off of your total purchase at either of those websites. Also, for more personal protection tips, make sure you head over to NewWarriorDefense.com. Support the production of the Live Life Aggressively show by heading over to Patreon.com and becoming a patron. Simply go to Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. All Patreon subscribers receive Patreon-only access to our brand new show, Afterlife, which is a brand new behind-the-scenes episode that is not available to the public. Our Patreon subscribers also get to enjoy bigger discounts on all of our products by receiving patron-only discount codes beginning at 15% off on all products on MikeMahler.com and NewWarriorTraining.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Lastly, 
Be sure to share the episode by following us on social media, on Facebook, as well as our new account on Instagram. Until the next episode, take care, everybody.